1: This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El and 104.1 The Fish. We've got very special guests in the studio today from the Salvation Army. You may remember Portland Metro Coordinator Major Robert Lord as Major Bob appeared with us previously on Difference Makers and his lovely wife, Major Rhonda Lloyd, who serves as Executive Director of the Salvation Army's Veterans and Family Center that's located by Fred Meyer on Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. So, welcome, Major Bob and Major Rhonda. How are you today? Well, we're just great. It's lovely to be here with you. Amen to that. We always have so much fun with your husband. So, thanks for joining us here in person, Major Rhonda. Could you tell us exactly what you do with the Salvation Army?
2: Oh, goodness, exactly what I do. Well, a little bit of everything, but I actually uh, run the program and the center at the Veterans and Family Center. We have about 80 veterans plus their family members. So sometimes it's a spouse, sometimes it's children. Right now we have about 22 children in the house, and I do a little bit of everything to make sure that they're safe and feel comfortable and they move on with their goals.
1: Well, that is wonderful, Major Rhonda. So how long have you been with the Salvation Army Veterans and Family Center?
2: At the center since just before COVID. I started in February, and COVID came on in March, so not quite two years.
1: Wow, that's some way to kick off a new job. Isn't it? How was this for your poor wife, Major Bob?
3: Well, you know, she just has been really excited taking over responsibility for the program, and she comes home every night full of stories. Years ago, when I was a Seattle City Transit Supervisor and a bus driver, I used to come home every night with all these stories And uh, it feels like the roles are reversed now because she comes home every night excited, sometimes really concerned, many times asking me to pray for somebody um, because she does carry a huge burden for a lot of the folks there. But she's just really excited running the program and ministering to, to men, women, and children. Just had a Halloween party, too, with children.
2: 16 kids came out, and the Veterans of Foreign Wars Auxiliary sponsored that So we painted pumpkins and did all sorts of fun activities. It was great.
1: That's wonderful, Major Rhonda. So can you tell us why you're working with the veterans? Did anything in your history really draw you to want to serve them?
2: Actually, I come from a long line of military family. My stepfather served two tours in World War II, and both of my brothers have served, my uncles, as well as my cousins. So it was a real natural fit. And um, Major Bob was actually in the National Guard when we first got married, going to the military academy. So it, I've been surrounded with military folks all my life. And, of course, Salvation Army operates much like the military, so it seemed like a fairly good fit for me.
1: The background that you had growing up seemed to prepare you pretty well for what you're doing today.
2: It really did. And having the familiarity with uh, the military and the style, but also just my love for people, I think, has really helped that as well.
3: And Major Rhonda actually just completed her master's degree at George Fox University a few years back Um you have a master's degree now in spiritual formation.
2: I do. So it helps me to reach out to folks and help them to understand that their their spiritual life whether they're Christians or not there is a sense of spirit in each one of us and addressing that is makes us a whole person. So it's a lot of fun being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus not necessarily the mouthpiece of Jesus.
1: Interesting. Well, we'll win them by our love. That's right. So, how is your experience Getting your master's. Was it at George Fox? Was it at Portland Seminary?
2: Yes, it actually was. became Portland Seminary the um, first year that I was there. So yeah, they went through a transition, and we went through it with them.
1: And what are some of your highlights of getting your master's?
2: Oh, my goodness. It was such hard work, but it was such a blessing. I think it was the very – I might be, if I'm, if I'm writing this, I think I am, that I'm the only – person in my family lineage that has a master's degree and uh, it was a lifelong dream for me to get my education so I finished my bachelor's at 50 and my master's at 60 and uh, keep on going strong so it was just it was a great experience for me and I think probably a huge growth experience for me too
1: What a strong woman you've married, Major Bob. Of course, she'd have to be to be married to you. (laughs) Well, I'm
3: really proud of her because she really has come a long way. And, you know, Major Rhonda did not come from a a Christian family, too. So her family was not particularly supportive of our interest in serving the Lord. And when we were talking about becoming Salvation Army officers, her parents really didn't understand.
2: They thought we were going to ring bells for the rest of our lives. (laughs) So
3: I've been really proud of her that she's been able to accomplish this.
2: It's been a real great time.
1: So, Major Rhonda, are there any important events coming up that we ought to know about for the veterans and their families?
2: Of course, Veterans Day is coming up, and that's very, very important. But, you know, I really think every day is important for these veterans. They have sacrificed so much and have experienced so much in life. And I think we focus on the holidays, but we don't realize that for them, Every day can be tough. You know, they have to reintegrate into society and they, they found for some of them, there was such a sense of accomplishment being in the military. And then to come back and struggle with life is, is a real esteem downer and something that we really um, forget how hard it can be for people. So I, I like to think every day is Veterans Day at the Veterans and Family Center.
1: It's interesting you brought that up, Major Rhonda, because I think in this Instagram era that we live in, especially for the kids, especially teenage girls, in my opinion, it's all about the image they're trying to portray. And when that identity gets taken away, well, then what? Mm -hmm. And I've worked with veterans organizations over the years in various ministries at job fairs and events like that. And more than once, I have heard that when people come back from serving a tour, at times, they're unhirable. You would think that serving in the military, especially going overseas and being able to work with an authority and become an authority and try to keep the peace – That your stock would go higher. But in a lot of cases, I've noticed that companies or even law enforcement agencies that I've spoken to have seen them as damaged goods. So when you're talking about identity, Major Rhonda, I think that relates to everyone, but especially the veterans, because, well, look at you. You are majors in the Salvation Army. You have a title to uphold, and that gives you a degree of reverence from people around you, or at least it should but what if you're serving, you're climbing up the ranks, you have your title, and then all of a sudden you come home to a country where they're not exactly throwing a lot of parades for the armed forces right now, unfortunately, in my opinion, and they're trying to figure out what's next. However, when we have good organizations like the Salvation Army, there's healing and there are resources to be shared.
2: Absolutely. And yet what's interesting, too, is we, we take a trauma-informed approach where it's not what's wrong with you. It's what have you experienced? What have you been through? And how can we assist you in, in what you're going through right now? And yet there are the the stigma of mental health issues for the military. If you're in the military and you have mental health issues, you don't want your commander to know that. And it's certainly not a good thing if you have been dealing with that while you're in the military. And then all of a sudden you get out and they try to convince you all these resources are available to you through the VA or whatever. And there's no negative consequences for receiving them. They don't believe it. It's not even a possibility to actually do that in their minds. So we have such stigma still with mental health issues and and some of them have experienced such difficult um, issues with their physical health as well. Um, tinnitus is a huge, huge difficulty for folks. And I don't know if you can imagine trying to have our conversation while there's constant ringing in your ears and or trying to sleep while there's constant ringing in your ears. So sleep disorders are difficult. There are just so many things, and I've learned so much from our veterans. Um, I love the, the statement, um, we've got your six. Because we know then that they've got my back and um, they're they're very observant. They pay attention to life and they pay attention to what's going on around them in a way that maybe the rest of us are not as observant and is not as careful for. So maybe we just don't understand it.
1: It's so easy for us to take for granted the ability to sleep mm-hmm. and not have experiences in our memory that are tormenting us day after day after day. So. I'm so encouraged to hear you're working from a trauma-informed perspective because there are people out there who are well-meaning, who have no business, in my opinion, trying to help others because they're just not prepared or educated or experienced enough, which is not to say that I doubt their heart. But I was talking with this Christian couple that does counseling, and they're trauma-informed. So their analogy was that, yes, God has the power to save miraculously, and even instantaneously. However, if you went through PTSD, something horrific happened maybe when you were serving with the armed forces. If that is so flooding your mind, you can't hear someone trying to share the word of God with you. You kind of got to get past that trauma if you really want to live and thrive and not just breathe air, right?
2: Right. And even understanding that you can get past it, it seems so big at the beginning, you know, and to understand that there is such a thing as healing, not necessarily that it's going to go away, but that you can live through it and be beyond it. I liken it to a broken arm. You know, if a broken arm, the bone will heal. It might not heal properly if it's not set properly. And so if it's not properly set, there's going to be that that just niggling pain that's there and if it doesn't get reset properly, then you have experienced that the rest of your life. But you can do something. Sometimes it's hard work, but you can do something to get through and to go towards the healing. But that pain and that difficulty getting through that can be really insurmountable when you don't have good support system and, and people that have a good sense of understanding and patience and pray you through. I tell you, we pray. I pray my guys, my men and women through literally every day that what they're going through, I pray for them constantly.
1: There's something to be said about the power of prayers. So I'm so glad that you've incorporated that into helping our veterans and their families out, Major Rhonda. Thank you. So for the veteran right now, can you tell him or her if there's any legitimate reason to have shame for seeking help, and what resources would you recommend?
2: I would say there is no shame. Um, The greatest shame is not taking advantage of what's available to you in my book. I always tell people, too, uh, there's no question that's a stupid question unless you haven't asked it. And I think the resources that I would recommend would be things like The Salvation Army, uh, returning vets project is really helpful too. There's a group in Clackamas County, um, Fort Kennedy that gets people connected with groups. And there really are indeed mental health supports out there for the veteran in a confidential manner. Um, learning to trust that and to believe that is, is key and important. And I just think, um, Understanding that each one of us has value and meaning just as a person, not because of what we've done or haven't done, but simply because God made us. And so we are important right from the beginning, and um, it doesn't matter if they can continue to serve in the way they served before or if there's a, a difficulty that they're dealing with that doesn't change their value as a person.
1: Amen to that. Your identity is not in being the captain of the cheerleaders, the quarterback of the football team, or making a lot of money or whatever's on your fancy business card or LinkedIn account. You matter because you are made in the image of Jesus Christ, of God's very best. Because you breathe, you matter. And maybe it'll require a career change or a move, but – My analogy kind of goes back to football, right? If you're a quarterback and someone just knocked your block off, you better check yourself out for a concussion, because if you stay in that game, you could harm your teammates by not playing effectively. So how much more in the real game of life should we be unafraid to say, you know what? I'm not quite right. Will you please help check me out?
2: Yep. Self-care is so important. And we as Americans are not very good at that in general. Oh, Imagine horrible. those of us who have actually given so much of themselves for the sake of others and their country and for right, and now all of a sudden we tell them to take care of themselves? It, it, that's a hard thing to have to do.
1: Well, that's for sure. So Major Rhonda, Major Bob, do you have anything to suggest for everybody else? When it comes to how we should see veterans, how we should perceive them, and how we ought to treat them. I remember one of the veterans organizations I worked with talked about those coming back. Was, was it from Vietnam? Mm-hmm. And they suggested if you meet a veteran, say welcome home because that didn't happen when they first came back to the United States. Would you agree with that, Major Rhonda?
2: I would say yes. And I think I would also say though, um, just remember that they are people just like you and honor them just as you would want to be honored. Um, just as people, not necessarily for just what they did. Although we want to say thank you and welcome home, but we want them to feel that they're just a, that they are a part of us and that we, um, we're in this with them and, um, that we appreciate the sacrifices not only that the veteran made but the family made i see families that have have gone through a lot the veteran comes home as you said different we all come home from experiences different we're never the same from one day to the next imagine if you experienced um, being shot at how you would come home different and so families experience a different person when they come home as well and they almost have to get to know each other again you know, we don't, and please, 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 trauma-informed, don't ask them to tell their story 1,200 times. You know, just take for granted that they sacrificed, period, the end.
1: Great advice from Major Rhonda Lloyd, who is the executive director of the Salvation Army's Veterans and Family Center. It's located on Beaverton Hillsdale Highway, right by Fred Meyer, and you can find out more information at the website veterans.salvationarmy.org. That's veterans.salvationarmy.org. Or with our Salvation Army friends next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee. And from the Salvation Army, we have another friend, Major Robert Lloyd. And for the very first time in studio, his lovely bride, Major Rhonda Lloyd, who serves as the executive director of the Salvation Army's Veterans and Family Center. So, Major Rhonda, what kind of resources are located at your facility on Beaverton Hillsdale Highway over by Fred Meyer?
2: We have 72 rooms where we house um, veterans and their families. They can come with a spouse and or their children. Uh, We also accept care, companion, and service animals with a doctor's note. So um, we are basically a big house for veterans, and we serve meals seven days a week, and we have three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, two cooked meals, lunch and dinner, and we have a recreational facility, we have a computer lab, we have a closing room, we have three full-time case managers, and um, we work with them on four goals. One would be uh, permanent housing, financial management, healthier lifestyle, self-sufficiency, and sobriety. So we kind of have it all.
1: That's some facility you've put together, my goodness. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's pretty cool.
1: Dare I ask how long the waiting list is to get in, Major Anda?
2: You know, we have openings right now. With Are you serious? Co- yeah, with COVID, it's been a little difficult. They don't have a private room, unfortunately. They do have to share a room with another veteran. And some people just aren't ready to do that with all that's been going on with COVID. But um, we do have spaces available, and we welcome our veterans.
1: Major Bob, you must be very proud of your wife and her efforts. I love the story she comes home with every
3: night. It's interesting to have her come home and talk about veterans and their companion parrot care animals. In fact, she has a gentleman right now that came in with a number of lizards that were extremely important to him.
2: Yeah, he showed up. We don't typically allow lizards. <laughs> and He showed up and uh, the case manager was fairly new and let him in with six lizards. And so I had to go and visit him and talk with him about that. And I knew the minute I spoke with him, I said, sir, I don't know if you realize, but we don't allow pets. We only allow care, companion and service animals. And the guy teared up and said, but I lost my service dog when I was on the streets in my car. He died in my car. And now all I have left are my lizards. There was no way I was kicking the guy out with his lizards. So we managed to help him get the appropriate documentation and uh, care certification so that he could have his lizards in our house.
1: So, Major Bob, Major Rhonda, have you experienced any trepidation from the veterans, uh, any reluctance to find out more about the resources that you're providing for them?
2: There is a bit of reluctance. You know, when you have been the one that's been helping others and serving others, it's hard then to receive. And it almost sounds too good to be true. And also, too, though, I think the other part of that is we do require sobriety. So whether they want to be in recovery or not, they have to be at least abstinent. And for some, how we deal with our emotions and our difficulties, we try to escape them or cover them up. So for some, substances are, are significant. Um, if you look at the statistics on veterans in our country, uh, homelessness and um, drug and alcohol use are the top two concerns. And some folks aren't ready to give that up yet. And um, others just don't see the need. Well, so and there's really no stigma tough.
3: these days around... Substance abuse. You know, when I was a child, there was a lot of stigma around substance abuse, and people were somewhat ashamed and embarrassed about their drug and alcohol use. And now we have a generation of folks that understand that drug possession is not illegal, and they've been using drugs since they were children. So we live in a different society where the drugs are viewed very differently, and it's really challenging. To help people see that, that drug and alcohol abuse as a sin against God. And it's really hard to, to kind of point people toward Jesus when they're so dependent on the drugs. And it's just a, it's viewed entirely different
1: today. Well, this to me, Major Bob, is a sobering reminder to get out and vote because I have got relatives on my wife's side of the family that explained how the world went downhill significantly. After the Oregon lottery began, and you may choose to agree or disagree on this, but there certainly is a strong segment of society that is addicted to gambling, and you see them even at the local corner store shoving their pension into a machine, and it's as if it robs their souls when you look at the glassy-eyed faces. And similarly, I look at the legalization of marijuana in particular, Scared for my kids' generation. I really am. And I would speculate that if you ever wanted to go into a safe career right now, it would be in counseling because in the next five to 15 years, you're going to have a lot of train wrecks that just got started on a little joint here or there and lost everything as a result. Well, it
3: breaks my heart because the Salvation Army has a long, rich history of having residential programs where we bring men and women in who who are struggling with various addictions, and, and we love and we care for them, and and we introduce them to the love of Christ, and we try to help them overcome those addictions and, and become transformed trophies of grace. And now more and more and more we're being asked to provide residential programs that are the lowest barrier, and we're actually expected to accommodate a certain amount of drug use. So it is a different world, and we want people to be transformed by the love of God. But the challenge within our culture is that so much is just accepted and the low barrier shelters are expected. And Major Rhonda really struggles because she has people that come into the program and they sign statements indicating they understand this is a drug and alcohol-free program. And then within days, and you can take it from there.
2: And Well, I was just dealing with a situation where literally four days in, started missing what we, we do, breathalyzers, every morning and every afternoon. Part of that is for attendance. Part of that is to make sure they're clean and sober. Started missing breathalyzers at day four. And, um, you know, it starts out, you begin by saying, okay, so what's going on that you missed a breathalyzer? Oh, I slept in. Next day, oh, yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't make it down. And you begin to wonder, and then we have to do the next step, you know, do a UA, and then we have to do, uh, a 30 day remedy because of fair housing laws. And so then you ask the, the client, okay, so let's do a remedy. Well, alcohol is not my drug of choice and alcohol is legal. So who are you to tell me and to judge me? And it makes it really tough to to really get to the bottom of the issues and to really deal with it. And as a person who um is probably addicted to sugar and struggles a little bit with my weight, I you know, we don't like accountability. We don't like people telling us that we're unhealthy. And um, it took my doctor a long, long time to get through to me that uh, my weight was an issue. And I think it, it that's as close as I can come to um, understanding and relating to it but um and so you go you want to be loving and gracious and kind and yet there comes a point when it's detrimental to the program detrimental to the person detrimental to the rest of the people who are maybe trying to stay clean and sober and that's triggering so it's it's a very very difficult road to walk
3: we want people to be transformed by the love of Christ but we have to begin by praying that God will convict them yeah. Because we can't necessarily convince people that that drug use is bad for them. Many of these folks have been doing drugs since they were teenagers. They they carried on with their addiction throughout the, their military careers. And, and now they feel like they should be free to, to pursue whatever drug of choice they may be dependent on. So we really have to start by praying that God will convict them. And it is exciting because God still transforms lives.
2: Yes, he does.
3: And it's important for us to remember that. And I know Major Rhonda can talk at length about people who have been transformed by the love of Jesus. And I'm just excited to say that, that God still moves. God still does amazing things. And we get caught up a little bit over concerns about individuals that, that are grieving us. But the reality is God's still doing amazing work.
2: And I've had just amazing opportunities to share with people about the love of God in my life. Um, I didn't grow up in an easy environment either. And so a lot of times people say, oh, you don't know what it's like to da-da-da. And I'll have to say, well, actually, I do. Or you don't know what it's like for this. And I'm, well, actually, I do. <laughs> so it helps to have experienced some things and to see that God has been triumphant in my own life to share with others. Because, you know, here I am, 60-some years old, wearing a Salvation Army uniform, and they think, oh, you've always been perfect. And you have to remind them, nope, I needed Jesus' salvation right from the very beginning, just like you.
1: Everybody's story is important. And I think when you get to a level where you realize history is his story, being your history is God's story, there are times when you could share what Muck God pulled you out of and bless someone else. So, Major Ronda, are you comfortable telling us about your background? Where did you grow up in the first place?
2: Well, I grew up in Washington, in the greater Seattle area. I'm one of ten children—a um, yours, mine, and ours family. Uh, my mom was one of sixteen children. Wow! Yeah. Her father was an alcoholic. And back in the day, he got um, run out of town because he was the town drunk. And uh, the sheriff, the family story is that the sheriff came, talked to my grandma and said, Pearl, we're going to run Harry out of town. Is there anything you need in the meantime? And she still had nine children at home. And uh, she raised those nine kids and did not get welfare. This was back in the day before there was. And um we joke about there being an outhouse and there were three seats in the outhouse so we thought we were rich cuz there were three of them. And um she used to get mad cuz the amla girls would be out there singing in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I come from a pretty um pretty poverty-stricken family. And then I jo- um uh, my mom was not married when she had me. She married a man who was in the military. And she says she felt sorry for him, and uh, he was abusive. And he, I don't know if it was PTSD or what, but he was abusive to all of us. And um, the abuse ran downhill, so to speak. And I was her oldest, and so I took a lot of the the um, direct abuse. And I was kind of the, um, I was an adult as a kid. I never really got to be a kid. And, um, I left home two weeks after my 18th birthday. Um, I came to know the Lord though as a small child in Sunday school. And, um, so God not only saved my soul, He saved my life. I lived through those 18 years of abuse, um, trusting that God would get me out. In fact, um, when I became a Christian, I remember the pastor saying, Was that a decision Sunday or something like that? I was about seven, I think. And I remember the pastor saying, who wants to go to heaven and live with Jesus? And my arm went straight up, but I wasn't thinking eventually. I was thinking right then and there because, um, until I heard Jesus loves me and I've got a home in glory land, those two old Christmas, those two old Sunday school songs, I did not know that I was loved. And, um, so for me, Christ was the one that, um, just, helped me through it all and uh my mom hit me one last time when i was 18 and i i walked out in the middle of february in the rain with uh no coat and um then i went back because i had no place to go so i went back and my parents told me i couldn't come back and um so two weeks later i moved in with a neighbor and um yeah (laughs) it wasn't easy um My parents were literally emotionally abusive till the day they died. My mom, um, I was 47 years old when my mom passed of cancer and, um, spent the last six weeks of her life with her, praying for her, um, trying to help her understand that God loved her despite the life that she had led. And, um, she was pretty bitter and she just said to me, well, God's just going to have to understand. And I don't know if she's in heaven or not. I hope and I pray that she is. But I led my life. I decided at eighteen. William Booth, there's a story of William Booth that says that um, God William Booth said he was going to give all of there was of William Booth to God. And um, the the ironic thing is, I remember the stoplight that I was sitting at um in my car that I bought myself when I was seventeen years old. And I said, God, you have saved me, and I've taken everything from you. Now I want to give you what all there is of Rhonda. And I have. And I've loved God every day since. And he has provided me with a wonderful, loving husband, two beautiful children, six lovely grandchildren, (laughs) and a foster daughter that we claim as our own. And, uh, And he lets me minister every day in his name, to people who have been through a lot of the same stuff I've been through.
1: Major Ronda, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I think about what we Americans generally believe a kid deserves. And you sure got dealt a real rough hand early on. So thank you for taking what God saw you through to help others, serving as the Executive Director of the Salvation Army's Veterans and Family Center. Find out more at veterans.salvationarmy.org. That's veterans.salvationarmy.org. And I'll leave all the pertinent links on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. More with Major Bob and Major Rhonda Lloyd next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee with Major Bob Lloyd and his wife, Major Rhonda Lloyd. They both work with the Salvation Army. I'm sure that the public perception is completely accurate. That means you just kind of hang out on corners ringing bells, right, Rhonda?
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, it's funny because when we got our call to officership, we went and spoke to my parents about it, who we're not Christians and really didn't understand the Salvation Army. Actually, I didn't understand the Salvation Army at that point either. But uh, we told them that we were going to become Salvation Army officers and my mom said, oh, wait a minute, are you going to do that in other places? And I said, well, what do you mean other places? Well, like, do they ring bells in New York too? And I'm like, well, yeah, at Christmas. And she says, so what are you going to do the rest of the year?
3: <laughs> but you know, when we met we really felt the Lord drawing us to each other. We met at Seattle Pacific University. Uh, We went out on a date in my old Volkswagen Bug. We sat, we chatted. I pulled a New Testament out, and we read Scripture. We prayed together. I'd never done that on a date before. But the Lord really drew us together, and I know her parents in particular really did not understand. And uh, when I went to speak with her father about asking for his approval to marry her, Rhonda, he really didn't understand what I was asking him, and, and he was a little surprised, and that conversation didn't go as well as it might have had her father been a Christian. But, you know, I think he respected the fact that I came and spoke with him, because many, many years later, yeah. just before he passed, Rhonda was able to lead him to the Lord. He was he was dying of cancer. Chaplain came to see him and asked if he wanted any prayer, if he had anything that he needed to share as his life was coming to an end. And his comment then was, no, but if I have any questions, I would ask my son-in-law and my daughter. And the chaplain said, why, who are they, what do they do? And my father-in-law said, they're Christians and they live what they believe. So even though my father-in-law and my mother-in-law really didn't understand our Christian commitment, they were struck by that. And at the very end, my father-in-law recognize that. And actually Rhonda was able to lead him to the Lord within just days of his passing. So God is good. He's brought us together. We've had a great ministry and marriage. And, you know, we just encourage people as we see them and talk with them to just always remember to bathe everything in prayer Mm. because God has a way of redeeming everything in ways that we can't understand or predict.
2: You know, my dad wouldn't come to our kids' dedications. We dedicated each of our children, and he came to the first one, and we joked that the roof of the church would not fall in, and it didn't. And then um, when it was time for our son to be dedicated, he he planned a fishing trip so that he wouldn't have to be there. But, you know, when we served as the Corps officers or pastors of the Salvation Army in Everett, Washington, which was my hometown, and um, our son actually got to go to middle school where I went to middle school— and we were 20 miles from my parents. And during Christmas, they didn't have a lot of money, but my dad would come and uh, one day a week he would make dinner for us at our at our church because he knew that we were doing kettles and we were working really hard. And um, so God used all of those difficult things that we went through as officers and as parents for my parents to see the, the faithfulness of God. And I mean, the best compliment a daughter could ever get is that she lives what she believes how how can you do any better than that
1: that's an amazing story major ronda so wait are you telling me that the same drunken abusive dad yep of this huge family of yours where you caught the brunt of a lot of this enough to leave as soon as you hit 18 that this man not yet a christian would come and serve dinner once a week because he knew you were legitimately talking the talk and walking the walk.
2: Yep, that's what he said. Pretty incredible.
3: And we all have opportunities to walk the walk and not just talk about our faith, especially when it gets into Christmas and everybody gets distracted by all the commercialization of Christmas. But we have so many opportunities to talk to people about the love of Christ and and what God did when he came into into the world in flesh. And that's really what Christmas is about. We get a little bit distracted by our our kettles and ringing the bells, and we're going to help close to 2,000 families with toys this year. We do all these wonderful things for people, and we invite folks in the community to come alongside us and share in that experience and share in, in communicating the love of Christ. But the reality is, really, it's all about Jesus. It's all about our Heavenly Father, and it's amazing what He can redeem, sometimes years and years later, but God eventually redeems it all. But we just need to remember as we get into this Christmas season what the real reason for the season is, and the fact that. I believe that our Heavenly Father would have us take advantage of the season to share the love of Christ with others. And we invite people to come alongside us in the Salvation Army to make that
1: happen. So, Major Bob, can you give us the big picture? You've got these red kettles. You've got sometimes musicians, sometimes bell ringers at various locations. Where is this money going? And who are you serving with these funds in the Salvation Army's red kettles?
3: Well, about 75% of the fundraising of the Salvation Army comes in the last few months of the year. So we do some mail appeals like a lot of organizations. We d- we have our Red Kettle effort, and we have people out ringing the bells. We expect to raise about uh, $500,000 this year throughout the Portland metro area. And that's really critical because, again, the bulk of our fundraising comes in the last three months of the year, and then we use those funds throughout the year to maintain all of our services so in addition to that, we, we plan on helping just about 2,000 families with toys. We have some great uh, community relationships this year, and I think you'll see a lot of us on television this year, more more perhaps than in the past. But we have all of these incredible touch points to share the love of Christ. I said a moment ago we're going to help about 2,000 families. The average family has three to four children. And when you play with the numbers and you realize how many people we're going to be touching for the Lord— That's an amazing opportunity. So we do invite churches, and we do invite uh, our Christian brothers and sisters to come alongside us. They can go to cascade.salvationarmy.org. Again, that's cascade.salvationarmy.org, and they can look for those volunteer opportunities. We will be using volunteers to sort toys, to put toys into bags for the families, We'll be using volunteers to help serve some meals, and I know Thanksgiving is coming up fairly soon. Major Rhonda and I are going to be serving down there at the Veterans Family Center, and we'll be serving meals at our domestic violence shelter. We have a facility down in 2nd and Burnside that gives free lunches every day. That'll be a special day on Thanksgiving. And then as we get into Christmas, we'll be doing a lot of that as well. But I do like people to remember that we're really blessed in the Salvation Army because we're feeding people seven days a week.
2: Exactly,
3: Seven days a week, and we have all these amazing opportunities to touch people for the Lord and to share his love in practical ways. It goes back to my in-laws seeing us live out our faith. We have an opportunity to show the community that we're living out our faith each and every day with every meal we serve, with every smile we give. I remember the story in the Bible where Jesus just simply acknowledged somebody called them by name, and how transformative that was. I think a lot of times if we can just recognize people and look at them in the eyes and just smile, it's amazing how that can touch somebody in in a transformative way. So we encourage people to come alongside us. And uh, we also encourage people to consider creating some, some family legacy by pulling their children into those opportunities. And we used to do that when our children were small.
2: Yeah, we did. And, and our daughter for a long time would have her daughter go out and buy a gift for another little girl the same age as her. You know, so on her birthday and Christmas, she would take Natalie and she'd say, so Natalie, what would you like for your birthday that you could get for another little girl? And so that they realize that one gift for themselves, they could give to someone else. And the gift really is in the giving. You know, we are so stinking busy at Christmas time. Sometimes it gets really hard to take one more activity, you know, do one more thing. But when you see the joy on people's hearts and in their eyes, but also remembering that people are hungry 365 days a year. It's not just Christmas. It's not just Thanksgiving and it's not just Veterans Day. That's why I think I said earlier that every day for me at the center is Veterans Day because the focus is on the vets. There is something that can be done every single day, even, um, just a few dollars. We, we say that $25 will keep a family from being homeless. $25? We, some people do that every week in coffee at Starbucks. You know, it, we have what we call self-denial where we, um, work to save the money that we would typically have spent on Starbucks or, um, it, actually back in the day, it was on pudding. <laughs> and um, you would, uh, put that money in a jar and make, give it to, um, to the Salvation Army or to the missionaries. There really are ways that we can do small things that add up so fast and help people all the time.
1: Major Rhonda, Major Bob, thanks for what you're doing and for the example that you placed before your kids. So was it always so smooth for you? Or did it take 40-plus years of marriage to get to where you are right now?
3: We married 43 years, and it really— we married, It
2: took a long time. <laughs> well, it took a long time.
3: But, I mean, you know, from our very first date, we felt very strongly that God was bringing us together.
2: We are— we are really polar opposites. He's tall. I'm short. He's far-sighted. I'm nearsighted. Um, he's from a small family. I'm from a big family. I'm from a totally non-Christian family. He's from a totally salvation army Christian family. His grandfather even called me the little heathen girl because he was just, he, you know, so concerned about Robert marrying me. But from day one, our value system was the same. We both loved Jesus. And that is what has held us together. It's not been easy. We've we've had the same stuff that other people have had. We've been through. We call our poor days where we actually had a tiny little seven hundred and fifty square foot house that we heated with wood, and we scrounged the wood. And um, he would he was working. I was home with the kids. I um, actually didn't have really good parenting examples. So I knew I didn't want to beat my kids, but I didn't know how to do the right things with my kids. So, you know, there were times when it was really hard. But, you know, God saw us through. We were committed to each other. We we're committed to the Lord. We're committed to our family. And um, and God has blessed that. But that has not been easy. And it hasn't necessarily been a smooth road, even as officers. You know, you get moved around. We have moved nine times in the last 30 years. That's a lot of moving around. And as a woman, I want my own home so badly. You know, I want to be able to decorate and have the be the colors of the walls that I want. And yet I also know that I'm very blessed to have the house that I have and the roof over my head and air conditioning in the summertime. So, you know, it's a it's about perspective It's about priorities. It's about values. Um, it's about allowing God to transform you. You know, he had to transform me before I can talk to somebody else about being transformed and understanding that, that he makes a difference in my life every day, that I'm blessed even when I don't think I am. You know, I went to, um, El Salvador was one of my appointments with the Salvation Army. I had to go to a children's home in El Salvador. Those children lived in cinder block buildings that really should have been warehouses. They were locked in at night with a, an actual padlock. padlock because they were in a rural area that was so dangerous and they could be literally trafficked and taken. I came home and, you know, I'm a typical American and we've kind of sort of made it. So, you know, we have a little bit of money and I couldn't buy a Starbucks for months. And to this day, I still, every time I have a Starbucks drink, I realize what a treat that is because there are so many that live so far less than us with no fault of their own. That's the key. It is not because they're lazy people or bad people. You know, my parents went through tough stuff. My mom was one of 16. I mean, they were happy to have a outhouse, you know, so... They, they, it wasn't that they intended to go out and become abusive people. Life takes its toll and, and it, life happens. And we, we tend to blame people when we really should not be blaming. And Savi Sharmi, we'd say that we want to give people a hand up, not a hand out. You know, we want to, we want to help people. That's why we have a program at the Veterans and Family Center. You know, it's not just, oh, here, we'll give you a free night. It's, yeah, we will give you a free night because you are important and God loves you. But now let's work on the next day and what next day is going to look like and what tomorrow is going to look like and how you participate in that. And as Christians, we all have that responsibility of participating in the work of God. You know, he didn't just call some people. To be pastors, he equips the saints, and and we all can raise our kids that way. We're not anything special; we're just people who love God and who God has changed, and and we want other people to know that.
1: So God's not calling the equipped; He's equipping the called.
2: Yeah, as much as and, you hate that, <laughs> and cliche. you know what?
1: Think yeah. of the rock stars of the Bible—the people who would mumble that He would make leaders to speak in front of the masses. Well, he's still doing that today.
2: Well, exactly. Bob is really, really an introvert. And God called him to be a Salvation Army officer and an extrovert. You know, he, he has said over the years, why would God ask me to preach? I can't preach. Well, and then he gets up and he studies his Bible and he preaches. You know, God God can do amazing things. Well,
3: and we should never minimize the giftedness that we have, and we tend to minimize it. But I think of the song, This Little Light of Mine. Yeah. And, and I just think this little tiny flame <laughs> or this little tiny spark, uh, you know, can can really light other people's lives. So never minimize your own giftedness and your own opportunities, because, again, I've heard of people who have been transformed just because somebody paused and smiled and acknowledge their existence. It just takes very little to love and care for people. So don't make it a bigger deal than it really is.
2: I remember before we were Salvation Army officers, I went to work for an agency in uh, Seattle that reached out to people on the streets. And I wasn't in my official capacity at the moment. I was actually their business administrator. I was walking to an eyeglass appointment and I made the mistake of thinking that I could walk safely and I'm walking, and I'm being followed, and I wasn't comfortable. And um, a homeless man saw me, and he was coming towards me, and we caught eye, and I smiled at him, and he stopped me. And actually, it was, I was pretty frightened. He stopped me, and he looked at me, and he said, you are the most beautiful woman I've ever met in my life. And I said, oh, please, don't tell me that. And he said, no, seriously, you looked me in the eye, and you smiled at me? And I realized then how impactful something that small could be. I, I actually was looking at him thinking, don't go away because I need somebody because the other guys are following me. You know, so God God uses us in amazing, amazing ways when we don't even intend to be used.
1: Our friends at the Salvation Army help out so many different people with so many different resources and programs with a heart of a servant to share the love of Christ with everybody out there. So thank you so very much, Major Rhonda Lloyd and Major Robert Lloyd, for all that you do in our community. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. On the way out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout-out to? (laughs)
2: Hey, all my guys out there, love you at the VFC. Thank you, staff, for making it the wonderful place that you do.
3: And just make sure that this Christmas you're creating a, a family legacy of love and care and concern for others. Thank you. God bless. Amen.
1: Go to the Difference Makers page at truetalk 800com Click veterans.salvationarmy.org and cascade.salvationarmy.org. Find out by talking to our friends at the Salvation Army. And thank you so much for listening to Difference Makers.